my name is Emily Lehman, and this is In Layman's Terms podcast. Hi. How are you? I'm really good. Um, Thank you. So, yeah, currently um, I'm in a weird, this is a weird time in my life because I'm unemployed. Same. Um, yeah, so you know, um, I've literally been working since I was like 12. So okay. this is super weird for me. Um, just trying to fill the day with stuff. I found that to be really hard. Like when I lost my job or whatever with COVID, it was like yeah. the first few weeks, I was just like literally like laying around, like being the biggest sack of shit. And I like didn't, my boyfriend's like, are you going to like leave the apartment? I'm like, I don't think oh. so. Like, no, he's like, like, I'm like, just, I need a few days. <laughs> just let me like, yeah. At the very bare minimum. <laughs> so, yeah, I feel that it's been an interesting time, like trying to figure out like, okay, now I've lost another job. I'm like 28. Like what, like Same. what direction am I going in? My parents are like, okay. So like, what industry do you want to be in? Like, what are you wanting to do? I'm like, I don't fucking know. Like, oh my God, we're literally in the know. same situation. Like I, so I've been in the marketing field for like a couple of years and I want to get out of it. I want to maybe move into something more like mental health related, but I don't want to go get my master's. Um, I'm actually, so in August, I made the decision to move back to Virginia to stay for about a year with my family, um, closer to my family. Uh, to focus on my recovery because I'm I just got out of treatment for my eating disorder. Okay. So um yes, I've been in Seattle two years and it just hasn't done me many favors. Like I'm not advancing professionally. It's expensive. I can't have any savings. And I'm just like, I need a reset. So um I, I'm not the biggest fan of Virginia. I've lived there before, but um I miss my family. So I'm from Ohio, so I mean, oh, yeah. lots of similarities here. And I, it's like, it will be so nice to like be back close to your, I don't know like how, how your relationship is with your family, um, but it's all right. It's, you know, yeah. it's nice to be close by. It, like, we're like literally on opposite ends of the country. Right? I, I definitely didn't think it would bother me as much as it did when I chose to move out here, but like the three hour time difference fucking sucks. I know it's crazy. It'll be like, you know, like seven o'clock or like 6 p.m. or something. I'm like, oh, I like want to call my mom or I'll be like in the car. I'll be like 830. And I'm like, oh, fuck. Like if I call my yeah. mom right now, she's going to think like I'm having like an emergency or like exactly me because it's like the middle of the night. Um, so, yeah, that's definitely been an adjustment. Yeah. How long have you been in L.A.? I've been here just about two years. <laughs> Okay. Oh my God. <laughs> my soul sister, literally. That's yeah. so funny. Um, so how long did you battle your eating disorder for? Uh, so I've been bulimic on and off since I was 16. I'm 28 now also, same as you. Um, yeah. So I guess in a nutshell, um, I've been depressed as long as I can remember. The first way that manifested was through self-harm when I was like 13. Mm -hmm. um, and then it came out through eating disorders. And then when I got to college, the eating disorder went away for a while. But that's when like my addiction started coming out. Mm -hmm. um, and I've been battling various addictions for, fuck, about 11 years now. Um, in 2019, I kind of hit like a low point and um, I detoxed from my alcohol use. Uh, I was I, I received treatment for that. 
uh, after like an almost suicide attempt, I guess you could say. Um, and I've been sober since then from alcohol. Uh, May 30th is my two year sober birthday. So hey! I'm super excited. Um, but I, I don't like to call myself sober for a few reasons. Um, Firstly, because I, I consider myself an addict, like I'll always be an addict. I it doesn't matter what it is, if it's food, shopping, drugs, whatever. I just like I need more no matter what it is. And um, yeah, like I'm guilty of abusing other substances like nicotine, weed, uh, even like fucking Benadryl. Like it doesn't matter what it is. I just... So yeah, I actually recently made the decision to just go completely sober from everything except nicotine. I can't give that up yet. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no more weed for a while. Um, I don't know. I just need like a reset. Yeah, just to kind of reset everything, get your intentions right and figure out kind of what your next step is. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I say that. I feel hesitant to, to commit to anything because, you know, you don't know what life holds. And I, yeah. I'm very wary of the black and white thinking of like, I'm not allowed to have any of this or I will be relapsing, you know, because that just I mean, I'm sure, you know, that gets you in a troublesome place. I, you know, my recovery, I want to say is like, and I hate to say it like this, but I would say maybe like not traditional, I guess, um, as what some other people would compare it to. And, you know, you can't really compare other your sobriety to anyone else's, you know, that's oh. your path and whatever works for you, you know, might not work for me. And Hell yeah, I, I agree. You know, I do. I use cannabis. I consider myself sober while consuming cannabis. I know California sober. A, I know that's like a huge controversial topic. And I'm, yeah. uh, it's been interesting bringing up that discussion because I didn't even really know what California sober was until like Demi Lovato, like made this whole stance and like said whatever, yada, yada. But until then, I really didn't consider myself sober. Yeah, I, I don't abuse opiates or Xanax or whatever substance yeah. I was abusing, but I do consume cannabis because, you know, I don't take my Ambien anymore for sleeping. Instead, I use cannabis. I would rather use something holistic. Yeah. And I know that's a sticky subject for some people where, you know, some people cannot do that in their recovery yeah. and they know they cannot do that. And that's their path. And but that's why it's me, tricky. Cause you don't yeah. want to trigger anyone else, exactly. but you also want to stay true to yourself. And I think that's why it's so great to talk about this. Like, I am so excited for your podcast. I listened to your, like your little two minute intro. Oh, um, I'm yeah, I'm so excited for more and more people to be talking about this because like addiction is such a taboo topic still, but it, it does come in many shapes and sizes and recovery also comes in many shapes and sizes. Yeah. And it's I feel like creepy. everyone tries to fit it into like, oh, you have to go to NA or you have to like do this. Like I've never been to an NA meeting Same and time. I'm five years sober and some people need meetings and I'm kind of starting to like wade into that. But I honestly, it like sounds so stupid, but it didn't cross my mind. Like when I was going through my recovery to like join a meeting like I don't know why but like it was meetings were just like never spoken about and like I just never really thought to like use them it just and wasn't part of your journey 
Yeah. And, and you know, I know people use them and they love them and it's great. And I encourage anyone to go to a meeting if like that's their jam. But I just want people to know that and who are listening, like your recovery does not have to be fit into this little box. It You can make your recovery whatever you want it to be. Yeah, whatever 100%. It works for you. And I think that- That's kind of what I'm, I'm struggling with right now. Like I, I compare myself to other people and there's always someone who's like more on the straight and narrow, I guess, than you are. There's always going to be that though, I think. Yeah. And, you know- it's it's so interesting because before I started this podcast and doing all this stuff, I never really spoke out much about like my addiction or mental health and all these things. So I didn't really like think me getting sober was like an accomplishment or anything like that. Cause I'm like, Oh, I'm still smoking cannabis. This is like, so looked down upon and like, yeah, it's really not like to each their own. And if anyone is listening and you do use cannabis and someone tells you that you're not sober, I would honestly just tell them to kick fucking rocks. Like you screw do those people. Oh my God. But yeah. It's just so interesting. Everyone thinks there's a right way or a wrong way, and there is no right or wrong way. Okay, you know what I figured out, though? Literally, no one gives a shit if you use or if you don't use. Like, when I go to a party, the first few months I was sober, I was so self-conscious. Like, are they going to worry that I'm, like, not having fun, or are they going to mock me for not drinking? But, like, literally, no one gives a shit. And if they do, you know, you shouldn't be hanging out with those people, maybe. But I'm lucky enough to have people in my life who don't care. And, you know, I go out to bars now and like I get my little ginger beer and like no one fucking cares, you know? No, I don't think anyone, anyone cares. And, you know, I've never had a problem with alcoholism and I'm really not like a huge drinker. You know, I'll go out to dinner and maybe, you know, like have a glass of wine here and there with friends and whatever. But like, there'll be times when we'll go out to bars and they're like, oh, do you want something to drink? And I'm like, oh, I'll just have a water. My friend's like, okay, cool. Like my friends know that I'm not like the biggest drinker and that's just not like really my jam. And all of my friends respect that. Like they offer to go hiking or like do things that also don't revolve around drinking. And that feels good when people put in that effort too because everything i feel like today is about drinking oh my god games sporting events oh work happy hour let's drink 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 can i just say i just um started using tinder for the first time in my life okay um and yeah it's fucking hard to find sober people on there it's almost impossible and um i'm in seattle which people are hella awkward here and also we're in the middle of a pandemic so mm-hmm. there's not a ton of stuff to do. I mean, yeah. things are starting to open back up. You know, I'm getting my second shot in a few days. I'm super excited. But um, it's it's still a weird landscape. And um, like, I have so much like sympathy and empathy for people who have been going through this epidemic with addiction issues. Like, it's been hard. fucking hard. If you like, I can't. I don't know. I don't give myself enough credit for getting through this thing without drinking. Like, I feel like I fucked up in so many ways, but like, you know, I did that and that was hard. And so like, it's, it's just fucking hard out there. It's really hard. I've had friends who have relapsed over the pandemic. I mean, meetings being closed, the gyms are closed, hot yoga is closed. Yeah. You can't see your therapist unless it's like via zoom. And 
the zoom and whatever is fine but like i can't see your emotions right now like i kind of can but i can't really like tell like how yeah. deep into this conversation you are or, like you know like the intimacy is not there and i think that part of meetings for addicts and people in recovery is so important and i think yeah that's what's lacking and i i i had a girl comment on one of my Facebook posts the other day because she listened to one of my podcasts and she made a great point. And she's like, I had no idea. I did not even realize or think that people in recovery right now, how this was affecting them. Like people don't think like that. And no. even for kids or young students who are in like unstable homes and the no. school systems being shut down. Like, for moms. Of working moms. Like, oh my god! Ever have kids? Or, like, I mean, oh, it's just been yeah. <laughs> it, 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 every. It's shaken up everything, so it's so interesting. And yeah, you should absolutely give yourself like a huge pat on the back, Christina, because you did. You got through this fucking bullshit pandemic, and you you're sober. And like the thing is, like I can't say that. I don't take a lot it for of granted. People, look forward to literally drinking at noon, like during the pandemic, like all of my friends, all they want to do is like, Oh, I'm, I'm going to start drinking at three o'clock today. It's like, okay. Well, okay. The thing is I don't take it for granted. First of all, I could, I, I, that's kind of a slippery slope. Cause once you start feeling safe, that's when it gets you. Yep. And also just like, I don't know. Fuck, I lost my train of thought. What were you just that saying? To me literally all the time. <sighs> about the pandemic and how people don't realize that the effects that it's having on people. And I said that you should really give yourself a pat on the back because you've gotten through this pandemic and you know, you've made it out and you're you're sober and you're doing well and you've made plans to go home and like you're taking all of the right steps for your um, yeah, doing what's best for you in your journey. And you should be proud of that. Thanks. I, I am really proud of it. I'm just trying to do my best. Like I, I fucked up a lot during the pandemic too. Um, and I, I'm just extremely fortunate to have the support system. I do like um, in January, I kind of hit like a low point with mm -hmm. my bulimia. Um, and I, out of a moment of desperation, I made a GoFundMe to like help uh -huh. get my treatment paid for because there was no way I was going to afford it otherwise. Yeah. And I met my goal within 24 hours. Um, it was very emotional. I still can't really believe it happened, but you know, it's, it's just overwhelmed with gratitude for the people in my life. And you know, whether it's people who love me and know me or just strangers that donated, like. Yeah, that like gave me chills. That is incredible. I, I still can't believe it happened and I'm extremely grateful. But with that said, you can have all the support in the world and still, be valid in fighting your inner demons you know like i still struggle every day um oh yeah every day is about yeah. of course. yeah and i've had a few lapses with my eating disorder since i got out of treatment and um i've you know my urges to use drugs have increased and um it's just it's never an easy road and i'm never i don't think it ever will be easy but i can make decisions to like make it easier for myself like sometimes you don't want to make things harder for yourself. And I definitely know, like if <laughs> I find myself making things more difficult for myself than I need to quite often. The thing I that's the thing that's been hard about the eating disorder treatment is that 
there isn't really a program at the place I went to for addicts, like okay. people who have addictions and battle with eating disorders. It's like extremely, a dual diagnosis. It's extremely common um, to be like comorbid with each other, I guess is the term. Um, but like when I was in treatment for my alcoholism, for instance, I was inpatient for like 11 days and I was purging like in the bathroom and no one noticed no one was looking out for that and then you know when i was in treatment for my eating disorder i was like abusing my anxiety meds that they gave me there and like no one it was the same thing like i had to i actually spoke up and like told them hey can we like adjust my dose because i feel like this is a slippery slope it was fucking hard but um it's like things like that i still struggle but um uh, yeah i have a lot of if anyone is struggling with both i i just have uh, i got you i understand (laughs) yeah and where you know christina also has a podcast guys it's called pickles and vodka which is fucking (laughs) everything when you messaged me that was your name i literally died i thought that was incredible my sister is obsessed with pickles so yeah same house and i actually uh i started the podcast back in 2018 when i was relapsing into my alcoholism and my bulimia at the same time and i had no friends in the area uh i just i couldn't talk about it to anyone and I was finding a lot of comfort in podcasts at the time. So I was like, you know what? Why don't I just like start want to talk about this? And if people want to listen, sure. Uh, and yeah, it's it's been a huge source of comfort to me over the years. Um, and yeah, I started I named it Pickles and Vodka because there was one night where I was just on the couch at like 2 a.m. eating hot and spicy Trader Joe's pickles mm. with a fork and I had a bottle of vodka in my other hand. I was just like, this is fucking ridiculous. I'm a 26 year old woman uh, with (laughs) I'm a full time student and I have a full time job and this is fucking ridiculous. And I don't know. I think it's so important to laugh at yourself. No, I do, too. And, you know, in some of these podcast episodes, I, you know, I talk with some really good friends of mine who, you know, I dabbled and did drugs with and you know, in these episodes, we're like laughing and we're making jokes. And it's like you have to find the humor in it somewhere. And I hope that when people are listening, you know, they don't think that I'm like being insensitive or like making jokes out of something that's so serious. But like at the end of the day, you have to find you have to. some sense of humor because that shit is fucking dark. Well, and, and also that shit is fucking funny. <laughs> like mental illness can be so funny. I mean, I hate to say it, but it's true. The things our brains make us do are just fucking ridiculous. And no, it absolutely um, you just gotta is. laugh at yourself sometimes. No, totally. For instance, like I am typically a very shy person. I even till the age I was like 16 or 17, I would like go to the mall with my mom and I would not ask like the woman for a dressing room. Like, I don't want to speak to people. I at restaurants, like if I want like an extra side of ranch, like I make like my boyfriend or a sibling do it. Like I do. Oh not. my God. Same. I, and like, why? <laughs> They're like, just fucking ask them for a dressing room. Just go over there and ask them. I'm like, Oh my God. Like, no, until I can't like, I cannot. Until I was like, I I was like in my 20s before talking on the phone stopped giving me stomach aches. Thank you. Which is really ironic now. Look at us. I know. Meeting strangers (laughs) on the internet. And like I. Exposure therapy. Seriously. And it's so funny because I like told my parents, you know, I'm doing this. And my mom's like, 
you're gonna like talk you're you are gonna talk in like to other, like strangers people you don't know I was like yes I am <laughs> like we're growing here this is a growing Hell yeah like having a podcast and talking to strangers and having them spill their guts to me and tell me very intimate details about their life it's so it's such an honor can I just say like it's taught me so much about life and about my fellow humans and about addiction and growth and like all the things it's it's just been a wild ride then you know there's some days I think about quitting it like it, it is really taxing to have a mental health podcast I just gotta say like I've had to take some breaks from it for my own personal reasons and totally. the thing is like people understand and it's just so beautiful to be part of a community that is just so open and um I don't know I'm gonna get emotional no. now and but where where for those listening who you know might not have any communities yet or someone is thinking about getting sober and they're not really sure where to go what would you recommend for those people like what types of outlets or communities have you really found to be helpful but um okay so early in my sobriety the thing that really helped me was just being around people which can be hard right now you know and talking to people and just being honest when I was struggling. Um, I was I've been very vocal about it on social media since the beginning, and that has kind of helped me kind of hold myself accountable. Uh, Instagram and Reddit um, were great resources for me. There's a lot of great accounts like recovery accounts and meme accounts just like all the things whether you need to vent or you need tips like yeah social, i yeah. know what i was gonna ask you before are you on clubhouse no you i don't know what that is thrive on throb you would thrive on clubhouse christina what's clubhouse oh my god it's this app and it's like it's like podcasting, but you're like, you are listening live to people. It's like live radio. There's sobriety rooms. There's podcasting rooms. There's oh, fuck yeah. rooms, fashion rooms. There's like any NFT crypto, like, oh my God. Anything. And, um, sounds like my fucking jam. And it's amazing. And that's kind of how I fell into like venturing into sobriety rooms. I had never really done them before but i had randomly joined clubhouse and i found this sobriety clubhouse and i just fell into this community and i love that so great and like even for podcasting like i found like podcasting guests mental health doctors like the, oh my god yeah i mean it would is endless it's, i can't believe i haven't mentioned anything podcasts like podcasts are such a great resource if you are in yes, recovery <laughs> guys listen to our podcasts yeah um yeah it's just i i think it, it can be really overwhelming because there is so much out there i think it's hard to narrow it down but um yeah definitely if you're listening to this podcast you are on the right track obviously yeah, no seriously i think um yeah i mean anyone who's listening like i encourage to just like message Emily or message me like we can give you resources and like recovery doesn't have to be a drag that's the thing I kind of thought when I got sober that I would be just fighting tooth and nail the whole time like white knuckling it mm -hmm. it's funny because I was in a I was in a group therapy in treatment for my eating disorder and one of the 
fellow patients was a very a young girl about 10 years younger than me mm-hmm. and she was having a really rough time and she was like what if recovery is just white knuckling it the whole time like if that's the case i don't know if i want to do it and the therapist was like maybe recovery is just white knuckling it until one day you're not white knuckling it anymore and i was just like fuck <laughs> like that's the hard thing is that there's no timeline for it like i went if i knew okay after two years of sobriety you will not struggle anymore i'd be like okay cool that's the price um and it's a little different you know with food obviously you have to eat to survive so that's been hard uh, in a different way than it's been to get sober from drugs yeah um, I, I like to compare bulimia with addiction but i know it's not really the same thing um so that's been like a whole other journey but um what was i saying yeah it's like you just have to trust the process sometimes like i know it's not going to be i have a print on my wall that mm-hmm. says uh you weren't always this way and you won't be this way forever i love that and it's like it's so true like when even four months ago if i thought i would be not thinking about bulimia 24 7 like it was incon- inconceivable to me and like you just have to like look back at where you used to be and think okay you know things have changed it you know whether for the better or for worse like people change and it's you know it's possible to change and sometimes yeah going back to like recovery feeling like you're just white knuckling it i i I hate to say it but like i there's no timeline when you know you're gonna be recovered i don't even think there's like a finish line no i I don't yeah i and i think if you think of it in that way then I don't think you will find success if you're looking to put a timeline on it. Like there is no timeline. This is a day to day, hour to hour type of situation for a lot of people. I'm just trying to think of a way to like sell recovery to someone who's in addiction because the way we're talking about it, it sounds so terrible, but like, honestly, it's, it is (sighs) to a point. It is. You do have to go through those shitty dark scary times but you have to remember that there is that little flickering flame like at the end of the tunnel like and you will get there and it will be hard and withdrawal will feel like shit and you'll feel like you're dying and you will be so uncomfortable but at the end of the day just you have to take it day by day like oh yeah one more day okay I can feel like this for one more day like you will get there like I was withdraw so many times and was like oh my god like why do I keep doing this to myself I fucking hate feeling like this like I swear this is the last time and I'd fucking do it again but those weren't <laughs> wastes again That's the thing like every time you did it wasn't a waste because it brought you closer to where you are now exactly. and I, I, there's another quote I like I, I'm really into typography and so like I make the like little prints and hang them on my wall but one of them says life is a struggle but you don't need to struggle needlessly and like I was also talking to another friend yesterday yesterday about sobriety and he was saying like oh my god hold on let me think about this for a second oh yeah he was like what's the point of sobriety if I'm just depriving myself if I'm just depriving myself of something I enjoy but then I was like, okay, that's, that's accurate. You know, using is fun. Uh, there's a reason we use because it lights up our brains and it it's fun for a while, 
But like, think of all the good things that have come into your life since you got sober. Like those things were things you were like depriving yourself of before, you know? So you have to, it's all about like reframing it. Like you can think I'm depriving myself of fun by not using, or you can think, you know, I'm allowing myself, I'm giving myself more good things by not using. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think once you get out of that fog of starting to gain your sobriety back, you're feeling better. Your mind is more open. You're excited about things. And, you know, obviously your like serotonin and the dopamine levels are all like a little wonky and messed up, but you know, you're starting to get back to that okay, I'm excited for today. Like, let's do, it's just the little things and it takes yeah. a while. I mean, there are fucking days where I do not want to get out of bed and it's hard for me. You know, that's a struggle. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of people think, or maybe it's portrayed as, you know, this is, we feel good. We're happy. It's easy. It's not always easy. There are hard days. There yeah, are really fucking days. sucks sometimes, man. Like it's one of the hardest things I've ever done. And the thing is like, at the end of the day, I would rather go through like, life's going to be hard regardless, but I would rather face it with a clear mind. It's like when I was using, I, I used drugs like as a, as armor, at least I told myself that it was armor and I would just use it to numb myself out from like all the bad feelings, all the responsibilities, but like that was really hurting me. And now like, like I've, I've used drugs that like really ripped me away from reality. And like, there were times where my, my thread to reality was so fucking thin. I didn't know what was real, what wasn't. That's fucking scary. And I never want to feel like that again. So like, even if things suck right now, like at least I know it, this is real. Like I'm experiencing it. I'm clear headed. Um, well, now I need to know what drugs that they were. <laughs> oh God. Um, so I started using DXM like, okay. Uh, it's, it's the active ingredient in cough syrup. It's a, a disassociative. Um, I was using it with DPH, which is diphenhydramine. It's in Benadryl. So that's a deliriant. It causes you to hallucinate at high doses and just totally lose your grip, grip on reality. Wow. So I would abuse that. And that's, that's, that, that's another thing I kind of wanted to talk about is that I think some people gatekeep addiction. Like when I was struggling with like the DPH, for instance, um, I couldn't tell anyone cause I was a 28 year old woman using Benadryl to get high. And I felt like it was ridiculous and no one would take me seriously. And I found the, um, DPH community on Reddit and it's a real problem. Like it's such a harmful drug. Um, it can cause dementia, um, among other things. Um, and, you know, using it with the DXM, uh, could, like I put myself at risk for seizures, um, suffocation, like serotonin syndrome, because I took it on Prozac, which you're really not supposed to do. Um, just all this stuff that no one really talks about. And um, there's a lot of people on those subreddits who feel like they can't ask people for help because they're like kid drugs. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, 
And so I guess I, I've never really heard anyone talking about that on a podcast. So I kind of wanted to ask like what you think about that. If you had any similar stories or I haven't, I have not. And I love that you brought that up because no, no one has talked to me about that. I never really even knew anything about it until you just shared that with me. Um, the thing about Reddit is that there's a community for everything. I know. Um, that's how I found you. That's how, that's how Christina and I connected was through yeah. Reddit. Yeah. No, but I just like you to tell it, me more about that or inform people who are listening because no, I've never really known about that at all. I didn't know about it either. The first time I started using like abusing Benadryl was a year ago when I was with staying with my family in Virginia. I'd just gotten laid off. Um and I was just I didn't have alcohol and I didn't have like weed or anything else. And I was just, I have a really self-destructive like side. So oh, I do too. I, I was like, yeah, two of these pills make me feel drowsy. What if I took 10? What does that do to me? And it's just like, I don't know. I'll take anything. I, I just don't have a sense of self-preservation sometimes. So, and I know that about myself now and well, I'm constantly know that. Um, and yeah. I'm on guard for when I start thinking things like that. I'm like, Christina, no, you're a grown ass woman. You need to take care of yourself. You have cats who depend on you. You have people who love you. No, absolutely. <laughs> I, I am the same way. I mean, you know, I went home for Thanksgiving and Christmas this year. And I knew that in my dad's bathroom under his sink that there were oxys and like pain pills and my parents, um, they used to lock up all their pain medicine. I, we haven't really discussed this, but I was kicked out of school when I was 14 years old for snorting Vicodin at a really young age. So ever since then, like going forward, my parents like always locked up their medicine. And when I went home this year for Thanksgiving, I was like looking for something. And I noticed that the like bottles of pills were down there and it really just like set me off for like the rest of the trip. Like I was staying in that room. I like knew they were there and like, did it cross my mind? Absolutely. I was like, I could like definitely like just take a few of these. Like my dad wouldn't even notice. Like I would be fine. Like, Excuse me. Hi, stop it. There's a predator. It's the mailman. Oh. <laughs> <clears throat> Such a good dog. Stop it. Is that a German Shepherd? Yeah. He is. Oh my goodness. So handsome or pretty. I don't know. Maybe. Oh, he's, um, a, he's a boy. Um, but oh no, like I was I, waiting for the end of that story. I was like, where's this going? <laughs> I was like on the edge of my seat because I've been in that situation. I've taken I've stolen drugs from my parents before. Excuse me. <laughs> You're good. Let's go. Okay. Oh, don't even don't even worry about it. My cats interrupt me all the time. It's um, fine. No, but I was saying, you know, so I was home over Thanksgiving and Christmas and I had noticed that these pills were like under my dad's sink. And I was like contemplating going back and forth. And I was like really in this battle in my head. And I'm like, you know, what harm would it really do if I did, you know, oh, it'd be nice to like relax and like blow down a little and like take a have a line or whatever. Yeah. And I remember like snapping a few of my really good girlfriends and I was just like so overwhelmed. And I like started crying and I was just like, Oh my God, I'm just like, 
blah, blah. And one of my girlfriends is like, oh, like you should talk to your mom, like have them move them, like blah, blah. And I was just like, it's fine. Like, I'll be fine. Like, it's fine. Like, I just needed to like get it out of my system kind of. Um, And I did not talk to my parents about it. I didn't ask them to move it or anything. And honestly, my parents, like they, I don't really know how much they know. Was there tension? No, there wasn't any at all. I don't think they really noticed anything was wrong. And it was just like a weird feeling that I knew that they were right there. And like, I was sleeping right next to them and that I could just like literally wake up, take a few. And then it's, but yeah. In retrospect, do you wish you had asked them or said something? Maybe, yeah, but I think I was just too, like, embarrassed, maybe, to be like... Hell yeah, I understand completely. move these pills, like, out of here because, like, I'm having, like, a weird thing, but it's, like, I don't want them to, like, think, like, oh, like, you are, like abusing these pills and now I have to like watch everything that we're doing. Like, do you know what I mean? It's just like, yeah, the thing is like that comes with it. And it's like, these are my parents. It should be fine. But I haven't really had the like big discussion with my fam, like my parents yet about like how deep my substance abuse, like really was. So I surprise. (laughs) Talking about this stuff with your loved ones is really hard. And um, there's just no easy way to do it. I, I'm really fortunate to have a mom. Well, my mom's also an addict. Uh, I witnessed the height of her addiction when I was a teenager, and that was really rough on both of us. And she also has had an yeah. eating disorder in the past. So we're, we're very we have a lot in common. But um, when I went home to Virginia last year, I, I asked them to put all the alcohol away. And um you know, I didn't do the same thing with the fucking snacks or the Benadryl and like, you know, she had Ambien and stuff like I've stolen drugs from them. And yeah, I have. Um, it's just what one thing that I really, really appreciated about being in treatment this time around was that there was um, a culture of advocacy there. So like, for instance, my first day, I was complaining about the ratio of like hummus to crackers and someone came up to me and she was like, hey, do you think you could not talk about that right now? And I was really offended at first. <laughs> but then, you know, as I spent longer there, I noticed more and more people doing that sort of thing. Like if someone was mentioning self-harm or someone would be like, hey, do you think we could like redirect the conversation? Or like, you know, I had to ask this other patient to stop talking about Xanax a few times because that was triggering to me. I was like, you know, let's not talk about this so casually. and. It was really refreshing because people didn't hold it against you. It was just assume, like a general knowledge that if something was bothering you, it was your responsibility to say something. And it was also their responsibility to be considerate. You know? I love that, though. Like, yeah. But, and to- I wish people operated more like that in the real world. Like, I'm personally trying to be better about saying when things bother me. Um, but it's really hard. It's it is. really hard. It's, it's hard a practice. Your voice. Yeah. I, I, I struggle with that too. Like, you know, like being shy and like voicing like what I want, like, oh no, like I, I didn't want this sandwich. Like I want something else. Even that for me is like <laughs> overcoming like a hurdle. I just like, I don't know why, but like talking to strangers is just like not my jam. I don't like it. Just Well, you have fooled me. 
Thank you. I know. I'm, I am I feel like I'm making some progress. You really are. Um, I'm listening or right now I'm editing an episode of my podcast that I'm about to release and um, I'm interviewing a therapist and he grew up in the South and he said one of the big things about growing up in the South is like for him was that people are taught to put others needs before their own. And that was one thing he had to really reframe as an adult was like, I'm not a selfish or a bad person if I focus on me, if I put my own needs first. Um, and that kind of blew my mind. I was like, wait, I kind of do that. Like, I always assume that my needs are below other people's. Um, and yeah. like even in recovery, if something's bothering you, I'll go through a million reasons why not to say anything, you know, but and it could be bothering someone else too if you choose to speak exactly. up about it. 100%. I've found has also kind of helped me like use my voice a little bit more and like with this podcast, you know, if someone one person is listening to this today and you know something we say helps them, then that's great. Then my Hell yeah. job is done. That's what we're doing this for is to open up this dialogue and yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly. Like it's so in, like thinking of all the times when others have advocated for themselves and that has inspired me kind of gives me the courage to advocate for myself. Um, another kind of groundbreaking thing that I've been exploring lately is vulnerability. But um, I kind of call it radical vulnerability. I don't think I'm the first one to admit to bring that up. I feel like Brene Brown said it or something, but, um, just putting all my shit out there and just like being honest in a way I've never been before. It kind of started with my GoFundMe, um, talking about my bulimia, like on the online, no holds barred. And after that, I did, it's like, I can't stop. It's like the floodgates have been opened and sure there, I've lost a few friends over the years. Cause like they think I'm being too negative or whatever, or, but I, I mean, I've come to realize that that's, it, that sucks, but that's on them ultimately. Like they are also responsible for their own recovery. And if being around me is triggering for them, like, I don't want them to be like, I want them to step away for their own good. But all that to say, like, I think being vulnerable, like radically vulnerable has really, really helped me in my own recovery. Um, and yeah, I mean, being on this podcast like these has helped too a lot, like talking about it in such an open, like. It's very form. therapeutic. I've, I'm yeah. realizing this podcasting, speaking with people about things that they've gone through and just learning from you and others. I mean, it's just, there's so much to be taught. Like, I mean, everything you told me today, I, I've never heard of and I imagine oh. people listening will have never heard it too. So just to be able to share those things and raise awareness is so powerful and so important. So kudos My, to you. Thank you. My guests honestly blow me away every damn day. I, I've learned so much from them. Um, and it's really kind of made me go about the world with a new sense of like perspective, just like, Never trying to take things at face value um, is really important. Well, that goes along with the vulnerability piece I was just talking about. Like, it's necessary, I think, if you are in recovery or just trying to be more open about your mental health, 
you know, or if you're like, you use the word, um, oh, what is it? Sober curious. Mm-hmm. I think a lot like, it, you know, even if you're not used to talking about this stuff and you're just wanting to learn a little bit more. Um, yeah, your, your vulnerability inspires me and like my guest vulnerability. Like it's like everyone has to be a little vulnerable together to move this conversation forward and to like make progress. Absolutely. But it's not it's, it's going to take all of us. You know, it's not just one person or a few people. Yeah, it is. And I think. Yeah, you know, being vulnerable opens you up to having these intimate and very like touchy subjects. Um, so yeah, I think it's that's so amazing. rewarding. Like having it those is. intimate and touchy conversations can be so rewarding. They really are. It, it it's really cool what you're doing, what I'm doing. It's it's really special. And I guess to end on a note for those who are listening. If anyone is, you know, wanting to try to get sober, you are sober curious or you're looking for resources, don't ever hesitate to reach out to Christina and I. Our DMs are always open. You can find us on Instagram. I'll put everything in the show notes. And Christina, is there anything else you would want to say to those who are listening who might just need a little advice or a little direction and where to go next. Oh man. Um, like I said before, don't be afraid to be vulnerable. And, um, there's something I, I, I like to think of myself as like curating my life, like aggressively curating my life. Like I've spent so long just kind of passively letting things slide and like, accepting like oh okay i guess i'll always be an addict i don't have any control over this but like oh i remembered i was going to say earlier one of my favorite quotes of all time that an ex gave me actually is um your mental health your mental illness is not your fault but it is your responsibility um i I know i'm giving you a lot of quotes but that's honestly one of the things that like helps me a lot in my recovery is quotes i print them out i have them all over my wall Hell yeah. So it's not my fault that I'm like this way, but it is my responsibility to curate my life in a way that like we were talking earlier about making things hard for yourself. Like maybe try not to do that so much, you know, like set yourself up for success. But when you do slip up, it's just remember, like, it's not the end of the rope. You're doing fine. Yeah. Don't beat yourself up there. And there will be slip ups. Like I said, you know, like there, like you will have slip ups. It's okay. As long as you, get back on the right track yeah i didn't mean to say that so enthusiastically like hell yeah (laughs) slip ups (laughs) but you know what i mean yeah just it's okay we're all in this human experience together and um just don't be afraid to talk about it even if it's just to a stranger on the internet yeah and i feel like sometimes it's easier like opening up to like strangers on the internet because like I don't know. You don't know them. And like, if they judge you, whatever, (laughs) never meet them. It's fine. Yeah. But thank you so much. This was fun. And I really enjoyed getting to know you. And um, I hope to have you on my podcast soon. Yes, I would love that. This was so fun. Thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Of course. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day and scratch your dog on the head for me. (laughs) I will. I will. All right. I'll talk to you later. Bye bye, Emily. Bye, Christina. Thank you for joining us today on this episode, and hopefully we could put this lesson into layman's terms. See you guys next episode.